You're listening to the Darius Daniels Podcast. What's up, everybody? Darius Daniels here, and I'm about to say something that is going to be a bit unnerving and disturbing for some of you. I think it's time we get out of the church. Please don't read what I'm not writing. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I am not saying we should leave church. I'm not saying we should abandon church. I'm not saying we should dismiss or diminish the importance of the corporate gathering of the church. But I am saying that the church does not exist for the church. The church exists for the world. If you're a person of faith like I am, then you're probably familiar with the content of John 3.16. And John 3.16 clearly communicates something I think we often forget. And that is God loves the world. Even the sending of his son is an indication of his great affection for the world. Let's not get amnesia about that. Let's not forget that doesn't love the value system, but he loves his creation and those that bear his image in the world. As a matter of fact, there are two dominant descriptions that Jesus actually uses to describe those who are living their life according to the creator's intent. Salt and light. And listen to this. He did not say that we are the salt of the salt shaker. And he did not say we're the light of the lamp. He said we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What does that mean? I think Scott McKnight says it better than I. This is what he says. It says it means that there should be good work being done by God's people in the public sector for the common good. Good work being done by God's people in the public sector for the common good. That's where we change the world. We cannot alter what we avoid. Jesus even says, what good is salt if you keep it in the shaker? Why does shake it like a salt shaker keep coming to my mind? Get out of there. Get out of there. Anyway, back to what I was (laughs) back to what I was saying. I think it's important to realize and recognize that transformation of our culture will only come through infiltration. That we are missionaries to culture that are called to impact the world. And we impact it by two primary ways. The first of which is our example. 100%. Who we are matters just as much as what we do. And we should be examples, representations of what life can be like when it is actually lived according to your creative design. And that life is a flourishing life. It's a thriving life, one that thrives spiritually, emotionally, and relationally. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is real wealth. That is the kind of life that makes Nicodemus come to you at night and say, you have something that I cannot get from social status. You have something that I cannot get from productivity and possessions. You have something different and I want it. Our example matters and so does our activity. You know, I was recently having a conversation with an attorney that does some things for me in terms of my books and other projects. And 
there's something I was working through, an opportunity I was considering, and the way she was able to pull out some nuances that I would have overlooked was amazing to me. And I thought about the impact that she was having on my life, the impact that she was having on the contribution I'm able to make to the world. And she's doing it because she got out of church. She doesn't stop going to church. She's raised in church. Her children are in church, but she understands that good work should be done by God's people in the public sector for the common good. That her work is just as significant and sacred as mine. As a matter of fact, as a spiritual leader, I am not the world changer. I help the world changers. I think that's really important for us to consider. So on today, I'm really excited to have a special guest that's going to lean into this conversation with us and help us get out of church. One who has modeled what it's like to get out of church. One who has made an amazing impact for the church in the world. I'm excited to have our special guest with us from Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams. Well, everybody, I'm super excited about today's guest. I want you to help me welcome to the Darius Daniels podcast. Listen to me, y'all. She's a singer. She's an actress. She's a philanthropist. She should be a comedian. She's one of the funniest people I know. Welcome to the Darius Daniels podcast, Michelle Williams. Crowd's going wild. Crowd's going wild. (laughs) Michelle, welcome. How are you doing? Tell us what's going on. So I'm doing really, really well um, with this quarantine thing. I know that a lot of people are going nuts, especially extroverts. Extroverts are not okay. Mm -hmm. Me, on the other hand, I am a homebody. I love being home. So I'm doing great. Yeah. (laughs) I'm doing great. Sometimes I feel like I'm doing great. And then other times I feel like I'm not doing great. And, um... I didn't go a lot of places before I was quarantined, but I think I'm just bothered by the fact that I can't go. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Right. It's just kind of like, man, you just want to go to some tropical island right now, but you're like, it's not open yet. And then when it does open, is it going to be safe? And summer is canceled. It is. <laughs> it is. I get it. You know, we want we want as many people as possible to be safe and so we understand we've got to do what we got to do until we can do what yeah. we what we want to do. Or, or I think it's going to be more road trip type things this year. Vacation wise, people are just going to get an SUV, take their families. You'll find a lake house or something. I think now that I think that's safe. It is. You know, I could do that. I could do that with some good friends, some Uno. Yes. Phase Come 10. Come on. I just got now, into Phase 10. Have you heard of Phase I 10? I don't. What is Phase Ten? It's it's uh, it's a card game. It takes a long time though. It's almost like Monopoly. I know how long. to play Goldfish and Uno. We couldn't <laughs> play Spades growing up. We couldn't play Big Whiz growing up. We couldn't play Dominoes growing up. We was too saved. Omg! Well, we're gonna talk about that because a lot of people don't know that. They know people hear about. They know Shell Williams, part of one of the greatest. Female groups of 
all time. Over 60 million records sold. They know the Broadway star. You diverse, yes. diverse. You famous, famous. Aww, the Broadway gosh. star, the the television personality. Uh, so people know that. Tell us a little bit about you. I want to ask you just a few questions to help our tribe, our audience, get to know you a little better. So a few questions you can answer with the first answer that comes to your mind. Your favorite food. My favorite food is soul food. So fried chicken, mac and cheese. Listen, yams, greens. Now the yams got to be right. They got to be cooked butter sugar nutmeg don't come putting lemon zest and orange zest just do butter and sugar and some cinnamon and nutmeg don't go putting marshmallows on top of it <laughs> leave it alone uh, okay soul food i'm with that i'm with you there favorite movie of all time favorite movie of all time bro is coming to america you know we talked about this before. I got to tell the people the story because go ahead, man. But, but not right now. That that is like you know. I thought Boomerang was my number one, and it is kind of my number one. But Coming to America is like one A, right? That's 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 a classic movie. Coming to America is classic. Mm. Now Boomerang. There are a few parts where I had to cover my eyes. <laughs> Coming to America had. Maybe coming to America really didn't have any parts where you had to cover your eyes. But I will say for Boomerang, Boomerang is a classic in uh, a certain type of, I would say my brother's, you know, that African-American culture, that man, it was a certain age group for a man where it's a, it's a classic yeah, that's for true. a certain age group. That's true. Yeah. That and is true. it might be if you were like class of 94. Yeah. I think it's, when did Boomerang come out? I'm not sure. You know what? I'm trying to remember. When did, what year did you graduate high school? That I graduated high school in 97. I'm wondering, should I have been watching it when I watched it? I wonder, did I sneak and watch it? I don't know if my parents knew I watched it. Wait a minute. So you're class of 97. I'm class of 97 too. Come on. We got that in common. Yes. High school, class of 97. Yes. And some people are listening to this like, oh my God, I wasn't even born in 97. Definitely weren't born. So y'all have no <laughs> idea. So we're talking about boomerang. So we probably should go to another subject because none of, no, nobody yeah, knows what we're talking about. Yeah, Okay. Favorite, one more. Favorite city in the world. And you've been all over the world. Favorite city in the world. Favorite city in the world is probably London. Really? So tell us what you like about London. London, I just feel, I don't know. I just like it. Maybe it's because I, you have to have a passport to get there. It makes it seem like, <laughs> oh, it's so far away. <laughs> um, and I love that you can take a train to so many close places. Like mm -hmm. you can get to Paris in like two hours on yeah. the train. Yeah. So I really like that. I, I know you only asked for one city, but I think Sydney, Australia is my next favorite. Okay. Yeah. I could I could lose my passport in London and Sydney and and I'd be okay. I could manage. I could make it there. Wow, I've heard great things about Sydney. I haven't been there. Mm -hmm. well, oh know, my gosh. Yeah, I haven't. Not not yet. You know, but speaking of travel and the world, like one of the 
I guess the dominant themes of this podcast for me is kind of this idea of getting out of church, being missionaries to culture, making a difference. And that's one of the things that you've done. It's one of the reasons, one, I knew you're going to be a funny and hilarious interview, but it was one of the reasons I just had to get you on this podcast. Michelle, you've been, you've been in all, to me, you are a missionary in the entertainment and arts industry. You've done an incredible job of using your gifting, whether it's on Broadway, television, part of Destiny's Child, using your gifting, yet at the same time, keeping your values. And many people don't know you, your story. They don't know your background. Listen, when you told me how you became a part of destiny's child and the songs you sang i said listen everybody's got to hear this so take us back take us back to illinois before you started singing with monica tell us the whole story how you went from there all the way to destiny's child because this is jesus this is nobody but jesus nobody but jesus and it has to be nobody but jesus because if if somebody probably did what i did i probably wouldn't have hired them (laughs) so listen I was born in a city called Rockford, Illinois. It's about 60 miles west of Chicago. And as you all heard, I am class of 97. So I graduated high school in 97. I make my way down to Illinois State University to pursue a a criminal justice degree with a minor in sociology. And about two years later, I get a phone call. Someone is saying, hey, I just I found your number in the bottom of my moving box. And I wanted to see if this number was still the same. Was it still a working number? I said, yeah, what's up? Hmm. Just shooting a breeze. Somebody I hadn't talked to in a long time. And so he was like, um, yeah, I'm on the road now. I'm, I'm, I play for Monica. We about to go on tour. So I'm just having a casual conversation. I was like, word, tell Monica I said hi. And if she needs a background singer, I'm her girl. Mm. Well, he called me a day or two later and said, hey, she's actually having auditions here in Atlanta. Can you get to Atlanta tomorrow? Okay. And I'm like, I can't afford a next day ticket. (laughs) You know, I was trying to calculate. And I was like, well, if I take Greyhound, I wouldn't have got there till May 28th, 2020. So that's not going to work. I won't be on time for the audition if I take Greyhound or train. So he said, it's okay. My cousin works for United Airlines. Uh, Let me see if she can get you a buddy pass. Well, Miss Gladys of United Airlines got me a buddy pass. And to me, I always say she was, I, I think the gateway into me being able to me, even sitting here talking to you, um, Darius, you know, am I supposed to say Dr. Darius no. Pastor? Uh, Darius Brother Pastor Daniel. <laughs> no, no, Master Teacher. Master Teacher. Arch Master Teacher. Arch Master Teacher, Archbishop Apostle, yes. Yes. Overseer. <laughs> no, Doctor. Darius is fine. Darius is just fine. Darius Daniels. So that's the whole churches that we'd have to get into um, to the listeners. Um, And so I feel like she's the gateway. I know God, you know, used her. You know, she's a gateway into me doing what I do. I get to Atlanta. They say, all right, it's time for your audition. Me, I have on an orange dress that came from a beauty supply store with Payless platform sandals from Payless shoe stores Mm. where you buy one, get one free. My God. And so I open my mouth to sing and I sing Blessed Assurance. 
Okay, this wait a minute. Hold on. Pause. 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 You're auditioning for Monica. <laughs> yes. Now, I my- did not sing Angel of Mine, Street Symphony. The I didn't even sing a, The Boy Is By. Okay. I said, you're going to get saved today. I'm singing <laughs> Blessed Assurance. So, okay. This is my story. This is my song. Come on. Oh. Save today. OMG. Okay. So you, your audition is singing Blessed Assurance. Audi- Please continue. I, my, my audition song was Blessed Assurance. They was like, okay. I left the room. They do their talk and they were like, okay, she's decent. She's got the gig. So my dumb buck comes in there. They say, you got the gig, Tanitra. My first name is Tanitra. Okay. My middle name is Michelle. You got the gig, Tanitra. And I'm like, well, I just want to make sure that I got this gig because of my talent and not because of who I know. First mistake, ladies and gentlemen, just know that a part of your journey, a part of your career, a part of doors opening for you is going to be on who you know. Mm. Mm. So Mm. fast forward to who I know. I go on tour with Monica. We tour with a nineties pop group called uh, 98 degrees. They were a huge pop group boy band. Mm Mm-hmm. So because of who I know, I got a chance to know um, one of Monica's dancers who happened to be Destiny's Child's choreographer at the time. Her name is Janella Segura. Destiny's Child is looking for a new member. She tells Miss Tina. We will call Beyonce's mom affectionately. She's known as Miss Tina. Miss mm-hmm. Tina calls me. Um, I get to Houston on Southwest Airlines. Miss Tina picks me up. So I can meet the girls of Destiny's Child, Beyonce Knowles and Kelly Rowland. Mm. It's time for me to audition for Destiny's Child. What do I sing? A Negro spiritual. Walk with me. Pause. Pause. <laughs> so is Beyonce there? Is Kelly there? Yes. And it's in their living room. Beyonce and Kelly are there. And Miss Tina's there. Miss Tina's there. They're like, well, we want to hear you sing something. I mean, for you to, you know, sing background for Monica, you you must got something. So let's hear (laughs) Let's hear you sing something. (laughs) So you sing walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. Here's here's my microphone. (laughs) Even though this is audio. (laughs) Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me, walk with me, Lord, walk with me, while I'm on this tedious journey, Lord, I want Jesus every day of my life to walk with me. Well, I would have given, the, given you the I would have given you the the position too. I think everybody's listening and saying, "Yeah, well, we we see why you got it." Absolutely, oh, Jesus. Yeah, like, yo, is this for the Mahalia Jackson review <laughs> at the Apollo Theater in New York, or is this for Destiny's Child, who's got bugaboo? Yeah. No, no, no. Bills, bills, bills. Say my name just came out. Wow. And so you gonna come and sing "Walk with Me"? And 
they offered you the position right there on the spot? So I wouldn't say right there on the spot. It okay. was kind of just like a, how do we vibe? How do we gel? I did a couple dance steps with them. Now at the time I had never danced in heels. The only dance I did was a good little holy dance <laughs> and a heel at church. Now, mind you, when I got that call for destiny's child, after I got off the road with Monica, I was back home singing in the choir. I was serving in the choir. I was a praise and worship leader, wow. choir director. So I literally had to ask my minister of music or tell him, hey, I got to go to Houston. There's a possible opportunity that I might be a member of Destiny's Child or they're looking for a member. They just want to check me out. I had already prayed about it. I felt like I was I got clearance from God to do it. But I just wanted to tell my minister of music because I was so heavy in my church. Mm-hmm. And um, so when I say I had never danced in heels, so we do a couple steps and they're like, okay, you know, a few days later, maybe a couple weeks go by. They're like, hey, we got to shoot the Say My Name video in L.A. I'm like, okay. Now, mind you, I'm supposed to be shadowing the county coroner because, mind you, my major is criminal justice. Mm -hmm. So the day I'm filming the Say My Name video, I'm actually supposed to be shadowing the county coroner. In wow. my county, you're <laughs> supposed to be looking at dead bodies, but I'm here getting weave put in my hair to do the say my name video, and that is how my story began. And it began. See, I want I want people to see the providence in this. I I want them to see. Re- remember now, you cannot alter anything you keep avoiding i think sometimes we stand outside of industries right and we throw rocks and we talk about what needs to change but salt infiltrates and that's what you did and all of this started from someone like going through you said some old boxes or something some old boxes to see if my number was still the same and it was still the same and it was still the same. He was able to, you know, get in contact with me. And the crazy thing is it was towards the end of my semester, second semester, 1999. So I was getting ready to go home for the summer. And I was working in medical records in a hospital. And then um, part time, I was working at a detail shop. It was yeah. a car wash, but they also detailed your cars and didn't know that that was just a whole money laundering scheme. That person ended up in prison a couple years later. That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and the cop was like, you know, you would have ended up in jail with them had you been at work and regraded that business. So, oh, wow. Wasn't that crazy? So my yeah. life would have went a different way. Yeah, I think that's so important because there there are people who are listening who may feel like I want to serve in that industry in some way. Maybe they don't want to be talent. Maybe they want to be in management. And I think Mm -hmm. your story has God's fingerprints all over it. That person randomly finding your number, your number just so happened to be the same. You've been able to get the ticket and (laughs) and singing Blessed Assurance. Singing blessed assurance. And when I look and it's like just 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 point of reference, guys, for anybody doing an audition, don't do what I did. <laughs> Unless they specifically ask, make sure when you're doing audition, you possibly can sing something in the genre. Like if I'm doing a Broadway audition, yeah. I'm not gonna do a song by Ricky Dillard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? If you don't know him, don't Google Ricky, YouTube Ricky. You've gotta watch him you've got to you got to see the amazing talented Ricky you have Dillard. to 
just see the legendary Ricky Dillard, who's my one of my favorite choir directors of all yeah. time. Now, my thing is with that is I'm just saying, if you're going to go audition for a Broadway song, a Broadway show, unless it's it's calling for a big gospel chorus type song. Mm-hmm. OK, but or if Dr. Darius Daniels, if he wants to, you know, have something at his church don't go doing poetry <laughs> okay yeah 100 yeah. like i don't know how that worked in my favor twice i sang two hymns so no, maybe it's, it it's god and that's why yeah, i want people to, i want people to hear that part of the story because it's it's god and of course we need to plan and strategize but two things that came to my mind when you were talking michelle one was when you talked about um, the importance of relationship. People don't just open doors. People are doors. People are doors. And that's why yeah. also young people that are watching. I, um, when I go speak to colleges or high school, I tell people, I don't think that I was necessarily the most talented dancer or even the most amazing singer mm-hmm. that that person heard. I really also believe you show up to work on time. You know the parts you're supposed to know. You treat people right. Mm-hmm. You, you never know when people are looking at you. You never know. Just I just encourage people do right and i know your name will be called Mm. my name was called to go as a reference to beyonce and kelly Rowland. Mm -hmm. my name was called and i really believe it's how you treat people and just being nice be nice can get you a long way (laughs) yeah that's right yeah. people are doors so we got to monitor mm-hmm. how we treat them that's good now, people are doors now people when people think about like your experience and it's a lot so broadway that's been a lot and your music career your solo music career and then your time with destiny's child people have all types of assumptions about what life is like inside the industry and it's like oh you've got to sell out you've got to compromise your your values You've got to walk away from your worldview. And for you, that has not been the case at all. So help us here. How how did you stay spiritually grounded when you were in all of those secular and secular is not profane, it's not evil. But when you were right. in all of those secular spaces, how did you maintain your grounding? Well, um, <laughs> I think, well, first of all, my upbringing, um, I had one of the greatest foundations, Mm. you know, yes, I was involved in church and, but when I went away to college is when I began to cultivate my own individual relationship with God, because I didn't have mama there to tell me, okay, it's Sunday, get up and go to church. It became something that I wanted to do and something I desired to do. So I think that helped, um, me even with my time in destiny's child because i wasn't able to be at my home church a lot Mm -hmm. so even on the road we had to make sure that we were cultivating our relationship i mean destiny's child i mean if you hear um them talk about the story matthew and miss tina happened to be reading the bible they saw the word destiny in the bible and that's how they picked you know destiny's child they saw the word destiny in the bible somewhere um obviously they weren't reading the king james version because i don't (laughs) think the word destiny is in the king james version must have been the message uh version so anyway i'm just saying 
<laughs> I'm just saying what they said. Okay, I, I, I got it. <laughs> so, but there are times when we're on the road, you know. Miss Tina's like, okay, it's Sunday. We can't get to church. So I need you guys to get in a circle. We're going to pray. We're going to read our Bible. And I really think who we were, who we had guiding us, who we had chaperoning us really played a part. You know, we mm-hmm. just weren't kids put out on the road or once we turned 18 um, or even 21 that we were released to go do what we want to do. I think because of her parents, Beyonce's parents were so involved, that kind of kept us on the straight and narrow. And another thing, it probably was a people pleasing part of me, but I didn't want to disappoint my family either because they're mm. so heavy in the church, yeah. you know, and heavy in our denomination. I didn't want to bring shame yeah. to my family. So that kind of helped. Well, I, think, I think, you know, I think that's great. Some people may hear that and say, Oh, I wouldn't do that. Live for you, be you. But I feel like part of being a responsible human is knowing, not being controlled by, but being sensitive to the fact that my decisions have impact yeah. on people other than myself. I just think that's, that's, that's just being a good human. Yeah, and your choices, people, people directly or indirectly paying for the choices you make. That's good. They pay. For, they yeah. pay for the choices that you make. So, so hopefully, you're not going to be perfect. But we have to be careful that the person next to me or eventually my kid, somebody's going to pay for my choices. Yeah. You know, um, Christine Kane was on an earlier episode of the podcast and she said something that I think was powerful. She says, you know, she, she, she was referring to burnout. And I think this applies to spiritual bankruptcy, too. Right. This idea that spiritual bankruptcy or emptiness happens not because of what you are doing, but because of what you stopped doing. And what you're saying is mm. you guys kept feeding yourself. So like, okay, take us on the tour bus. Cause I know people are thinking, <laughs> cause you were in, you, you were intentional about filling your spiritual well, even when you were on the road. So tell us about yes. the tour bus and what that was oh like. People are about God. to be really surprised with this. Please Listen, let us know. On the tour bus. Oh, M-G. <laughs> so at the time, because I was so churchy, you know, well, too, I'll say this. The reason why we even went to Bishop Noel Jones, huge person in the kingdom of, mm-hmm. uh, in church, yeah. um, he, the girls was going to his church in L.A. So I knew of Bishop Noel Jones through Beyonce and Kelly. Okay. So while we were on the road, people would be sending DVDs or VHS tapes <laughs> of them preaching to keep us. So if we can go to church, we put on Jamal Bryant, we put on Bishop Noel Jones, we put on Paula White. She would send us like these amazing gift baskets of CDs and things to listen to so that we could keep our spirits bed and um we didn't play or times where we couldn't get to church on Sundays you know we're having intercessory prayer with one of our vocal coaches down in Nashville we had mm. people that were interceding for us we had you know we didn't have groupies on the bus we were kind of boring you know <laughs> beyond Kelly's smart. OCD so she's back she she's vacuuming <laughs> and then you know the fear of being drunk or doing drugs 
it was frowned upon and because that would mess up our work ethic. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. We just, we were really, really, really boring. Yeah. And really, 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 really successful. Right. <laughs> and so I think that's important for people be, to get. It could be, but yeah, but for us girls, I don't know, men, um, you guys have it different than us. You know, men weren't, we had one instance where a man was, outside and he flashed us meaning his, he pulled his shirt up and we saw his chest okay that was about as outrageous as it got <laughs> for us but imagine if we were a male group yeah or you know we so we didn't have to have girl we didn't have any craziness we yeah. were but it was great i think it's a credit to you guys i think it's a credit to you guys and it's an incredible example for those who are listening who feel called to the arts entertainment and entertainment mission field because people would just make assumptions like oh they are turning up i know yeah kelly was turning up and (laughs) michelle was turning up we were not and speaking of i gotta say this while i can there's this clip that has been floating around for the past two years of uh, Destiny's Child. We were doing an interview in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. To this day, people think we were high. <laughs> we have never. <laughs> we never did that. Yeah, we were delirious. We were jet lagged, and so it was probably our twentieth interview that day. Okay. And at this point, we didn't care. We yeah. were just. They were like, "So, what? What was your favorite animal?" I think. B said a whale. I said I wanted to be a black panther. <laughs> Literally, just the other day, somebody tagged me in and it was like, yo, they were stoned. They was high. They was bugging. So, for the record, no, we were not high. Okay, I'm telling you. Because guess what? Even if we were, we were grown then and we're grown now. My we would God. admit. We, will, we would admit if we were. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't know if y'all what if it brings us on the same playing field as people. I, we we just we weren't. No, I get it. I get it. We and, were sober. And I think if you if you were able to navigate that space and be as successful as you were without compromising your values or walking away from your Christian worldview, it should be an encouragement to everyone else to know that oh, you they really can do can, the same. Yeah, you can, you can, you can actually be yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, somebody might, somebody yeah. like, but even yeah. me with um, development. You know, you have to smooth the rough edges. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna smooth away all of my edge. I'm not yeah. gonna smooth away all of my quirkiness or mm-hmm. my humor. Because remember, I came into a group that was already established. They already had artist development. I didn't. I had to learn literally by looking at Beyonce and Kelly in interviews or wow. performance. We didn't have time to develop me. Mm-hmm. My development was the our first show in London. Mm-hmm. The very first show I had with the girls was in London. It wasn't in in a studio. It was in a sh- crowd full of thousands of people. I was being developed wow. as we went. Wow. So, but I believe a part of me was like being yourself can work. Yeah. You know, yeah, being yourself course. can work. And I would go yeah. so far as to say, of course, we're going to have to grow and evolve. But any That's door right. that mm-hmm. requires us to be anyone other than our, our authentic selves isn't a God door. Yeah, we got to grow and evolve, 
I got to be a better version of me or a different version of me. But if I got to be somebody yeah. besides me, it's it's not for me. Now, you said something. I need you to I want you to back it up because this I'm just interested in this. So rewind this. Your very first show. Yep. Was in London. It was in London. Masses of people. So Masses tell me, tell, talk to me about your nerves, <laughs> that experience and everything. Ooh, well, I'll say this. Like I said, I got into a group that was already established. Um, who They already had their fans. The individuals that I replaced, they had their own, you know, your, they mm-hmm. had their own individual fans. I didn't know what I fit in. People were, a few people were mad at me because I replaced some people in a group, but I'll never forget driving um, into that venue where there were people had signs at that time. People stood outside the venue. We love you, Beyonce. We love you, Kelly. We love you, Michelle. I was like, I'm included. Mm. And I, I, that kind of helped because like I said, when you're coming into a, uh, you're getting on a moving train, you had nothing to do with its development. You are literally, I'm, to me, Destiny's Child was a house already built. I had to come in there. I couldn't move anything. I, well, I like this picture over here. I think it should be over there. I had to go with their flow and everything that was already established. And I think it's something to be said about coming into something already moving and you can just be a team player mm-hmm. and help in the execution um, and helping um, two other people, helping their dreams to become wow. Um, realized. I mean, I really believe I was used for that because I didn't want to be a singer growing up. I would have sang at your bar mitzvah, funeral, weddings, (laughs) baptismals, and birthday parties, but I wasn't trying to sing full time. And that's, like I said, that's why I went to college. It was kind of frowned upon to kind of do music full time in my family. Mm. But if you could sing, as long as you sang in church, go for it. But to actually become the only person in my family that is in the arts full time, you know, and so, but just as far as um, coming into something that was already established, that was, that was kind of hard. And I really didn't feel that I fit until our very last album. Wow. Till our very last album. Yeah, Survivor album, that Survivor era, Independent Women era, era. I was still kind of finding my way, finding who my flow, what my flow was going to be. But I got it, you know, once that last, once we did our last album. As you were talking, I was thinking about how, just how inconvenient this opportunity was. I mean, even from having to get a ticket the next day um to to audition for Monica and then the audition for Destiny's Child and they're already doing artist development and they've done shows before your they've first done, shows done in show, London yeah. and you, you're having to learn and you're coming into an already established group and and people I think it's important for people to get that every opportunity is not going to be convenient but convenient. it doesn't That's mean so it's not for you now I want to twist and I want to twist this just a little bit <laughs> I want to twist it a little bit as we get to wrap up because one of the things I feel like can happen, Michelle, is this, is that people who do not have um, an inside view to a world like yours at times can be very, I feel like um, maybe it's unintentional, but it can be very insensitive and can just think because a person has fame or influence or 
resources, that they are not human, that they don't feel things. And I remember you who you've always been a Christian. I mean, you sang Blessed Assurance and Walk With Me on your auditions. (laughs) But I remember when you, you made your gospel album, which is really more of you than the Destiny Child experience yeah. was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that there was there was a lot of criticism that came specifically from Christians. And I just want I want people to understand what it's like to be in your shoes and get some of that sometimes vitriol that comes from people that should be your spiritual family. Mm. Well, um, so I have three gospel albums out. One came out in 2001 or two. The other came out, I, I don't know, 2003 or four. And then my last one was in 2014. So gospel music is my first love. Mm-hmm. So when Destiny's Child did, uh, decided to kind of just go on a hiatus the first time the three of us pursued solo careers b was r&b pop kelly was supposed to be kind of like alternative and then i was supposed to be gospel they did not want the three of us competing in any Mm -hmm. way genre wise gospel i had no problem that's my first love and um, i was excited to do gospel i was excited to bring my experience or bring my my platform or thinking that I was going to give gospel this amazing, beautiful spotlight, this highlight on gospel music. Well, a lot of people were excited, but I focused on the few that weren't. I focused on, I felt rejected. I felt because people were like, well, why is she kind of trying to come over to gospel? Why is she trying to take from us? <laughs> take what? <laughs> Literally, people are like, you, what am I trying to take? I'm trying to add, I'm trying to bring, you know, I, I don't know too. I also felt like, I would feel like sometimes, well, maybe because in God, sometimes in gospel, it's a better story when they were able to make and mold you right Mm -hmm. but you coming over here you already have a name over there now you trying to come over here and be great over here too we need you to pick a lane pick where you want to be but i was influenced by whitney houston aretha franklin um and even sam cook um they dibbled and dabbled in both there were times Whitney would just get up one day and sing background for BB and CC Winans, mm. you know? So I, I kind of was like, well, they did gospel every now and then they would, and then, you know, hop back on and do their R and B thing. They still love God. I still love God. And I was just kind of met with some, some kind of some pushback. Um, even I had to even prove to a woman who worked at the label at the time, who was over the gospel division. And it was, it's kind of, like I had to prove to her that I'm worthy enough to sing about Jesus, even though I'm in destiny's child. And I just remember being so discouraged. I never wanted to do gospel music again. And, um, Juanita Bynum one day, she said, um, you know what? Um, you do know that your assignment is bigger than your emotions. Your assignment mm. is bigger than what your feelings. Mm. So once she said that, that your assignment is bigger than your emotions, actually that's how it took me 
maybe 10 years to do my third gospel album. It took me a long time to get out my feelings. Wow. It took me a long time to get out my feelings. But what happened was I didn't want to be responsible for not knowing what I believe I was called to do because I was hurt over being rejected. Mm-hmm. You can take a job at Xerox or Honeywell or Chick-fil-A. You're going to be met with some type of rejection. So are you just not going to do your work or do your calling because of, oh, they didn't like me. They talked about me. They shunned me. And it was only a couple people, but there are thousands who are, who want what you have, who want what you're bringing. Well, I tell you, we are so glad that you didn't. And as, as a leader who works in the religious space, not exclusively, but primarily, I feel like we are so glad and we're so fortunate that you didn't allow that criticism to stop you. You're a gift to the church and you are a gift to this podcast. We're going to wrap up with this final question. People listening, they feel a passion for the arts and entertainment industry. That's my mission field. Okay. Give that person a little advice from all of your years of experience and your success what are some key things that you would want to hear if you were sitting in their seat? Ooh, well, first of all, get a great team. Mm-hmm. You will only go as far as your team, if I'm not mistaken, that is in your book. Come on, relational um, intelligence, Relational everybody. intelligence. Yes. Talking <laughs> about being connected yeah. Yeah, that's right. and your friends. Um So I would just say your team is important, but just be you, Mm. just be you. If you're coming from a a person that is in church, um, it can, it depends on who you are. It, you can, it can kind of feel, you can kind of get easily swayed maybe because we didn't have social media like that back then. I don't know, but it can be easily swayed. You want to be like someone was, you kind of want to conform or mold yourself into what somebody else is doing or how they act. I'll say be you people to this day they call on me if they need prayer if they're in a certain situation and i feel like i would not be able to be of influence if i continue to try to fit in you know um so just make sure that if you are a person of faith and if you're going to work in something that's considered secular um just stay who you are because you want to be a, a be able to influence and make impact instead of trying to conform and be like them well i want to thank you because that's exactly what you're doing and i know personally of some major impact you're making on major influencers and it's making a difference michelle williams it's been amazing we love you thank you i love you about that time it's time for the ask dr darius section of the darius daniels podcast where i get the opportunity to answer questions that you sent me in the areas of faith life and culture thank you for sending these questions thank you for the diversity of these questions i'm a spiritual leader of course but i'm also a man and i've got multiple interests and thank you for not boxing your boy in and sending me an array and a plethora of questions look at that word (laughs) 
thank you so much for that. Thank you for the variety. I'm learning a lot and I'm excited about the opportunity to talk to you about some different things that I think matter a lot to me and hopefully it adds value to you. And uh, if you want to send me a question, please don't hesitate. Send it to me at Twitter or on Twitter at Darius Daniels or send it to me on Instagram at Darius Daniels also. And we try to get to as many of these questions as we can, everybody. I'm having a blast doing this. Okay, the first first question comes in from Henry. And Henry's asking me about a documentary that recently played on ESPN called The Last Dance. And this documentary detailed the last season Michael Jordan had with the Chicago Bulls. And he asks, what are my thoughts? Uh, Darius, what are your thoughts about Michael Jordan refusing to publicly endorse Harvey Gantt um, in 1990 for the Senate race? So uh, Henry, here are my thoughts. I feel like Mike or anyone else has the right to determine who they will and will not endorse, whether that's publicly or privately. I feel like they have a moral obligation to endorse and support people that they feel like align with their values. And I feel like they have a moral obligation to be true to themselves if that's just not water they choose not to wade into. It's it's really that simple to me. I feel like um, a person who has a platform has a responsibility to steward that platform well but uh, we don't get the right to dictate and determine how they steward it. Um, I actually think that some people are not equipped to steward the platforms in the way that we like to see them steward it. Now, um, I don't mean that in any insulting way at all. No shade at all. And I'm not saying this was the case with Michael Jordan, but I am just saying in general, uh, it is possible that a person's gift can create a platform in one area that can open doors in another area that they are not competent in and capable of walking in well. I have seen this trust me. <laughs> Right. It's almost like me having influence as a speaker and then all of a sudden deciding I'm going to use that influence as a speaker to start my rap career, which is not too late. I still think I can do this. Huh? I got bars. You don't believe me. I'm going to freestyle on one of these podcasts. I'm going to let you know. Yeah. So <laughs> so I, I, don't, <laughs> I think of, as long as the person is not using the platform in an abusive way, in an exploitive way, uh, I do think we have a responsibility to do good. I don't think that, you know, I think everything that's in the Bible is for human flourishing. So I don't say, you know, we should just do this because we're Christians or only Christians should be do this. I think should do this. I think generosity is good for anybody. It's good for everybody. It's good for the person that's giving and it's good for the people that are receiving. Those are my thoughts, Henry. Hope that helped. Okay. Toko asks this question. She asks, how do you steward your mornings? What routines help you stay connected to God? Okay. I'm going to give you the cliff note version here, but I want to begin by saying, um, I think that the way you cultivate your relationship with God has to be customized because it's got to be in a way that is consistent with the way God wires you. Like there are some people who really connect with God in nature. They take walks and prayer walks and they go outside. That's not my thing, bro. No, that's, that's not my thing. I'm not, no, no, <laughs> uh, no. So that's the first thing I want to say. So I'm really hesitant sometimes to share things like this because sometimes people feel like they've, they've got to do it my way. So I want to be clear on that. But you asked, and um, so I'm going to tell you. So for me, um, 
I'm really regimented when it comes to my time with God. My mornings belong to the Lord. I'm going to give my best to the Lord when I'm at my best. And for me, that's mornings. And so I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to greet my beautiful wife. And then I'm going to spend time with God. So it begins with uh, a brief time of worship because I need his presence. And so that means I'm going to listen to some worship music and engage in a brief time of worship. And then then I'm going to go into a time of prayer. And uh, I use the ACTS prayer model. ACTS is an acronym for ACTS. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And so that's the model that I use for prayer. When it comes to the confession part of that prayer time, I actually do some journaling. And uh, if you listen to my podcast with Dr. Anita Phillips, I think it's episode three, season one, um, I talk a little bit about how I journal and feelings check and emptying my soul before God. That's really, really helpful for me. And um, I spend that time in prayer and then I'm studying the scriptures after that. And I'm also spending some time reading some other books. And so I'm really, really regimented with that. That's that's a non-negotiable for me. Now, obviously, I don't do that perfectly, but I do do it regularly and consistently. And it serves me well. To me, it's, it's like my, my coffee. I cannot I am not the best version of myself without that time with God. So that starts in the morning. But you also have to remember, I'm a spiritual leader. So mine's going to be more than in the morning. So I have this remix version of something called the daily office. And so if you look up the daily office, you're going to see something that I don't do (laughs) specifically, but there is my own customized version of that, right? I talked about customizing this. So I'm going to pause in the middle of the day one more time, and it's going to be about for five minutes or so for a period of solitude, reflection with God. And I'm going to revisit my notes from that morning in my devotional time because so much has happened by the time my day gets started to the middle of the day, I need to reconnect with the father. (laughs) So I'm going to do that. And then one more time in the evening, I'm going to do the same thing for about five minutes. I'm going to, there's going to be some solitude, some reconnecting with God. I'm going to revisit my notes that I journal for my devotional time. And um, yeah, that's primarily the way I, I steward it. So anyway, Toko, I hope that helps you. Let me get out of here, y'all. Anessa asks, why did God put the tree in the garden and make allowances for evil? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) But here's a holy hypothesis for you. All right. The Bible says that there are two things we're clear on with God. One, he is love. Not just has love, he is love. So that's a big deal to him. Two, he's relational. So if you believe like I believe in the Trinity, then he relates with himself and he relates with his creation. So if God is love and God is relational and God wants a love relationship with his creation, God has to give them choice. There is no love if there's no choice. If I make you love me, that's not love. If you do not have the freedom to choose other than me, you have not chosen me. You're stuck with me. You're with me because we don't have any options. You're not with me because you love me. And so wherever there is love in its purest form, there has to be choice. And wherever there is choice, a person has the ability to steward it wisely or to steward it incorrectly. And Adam, who represents the first human species, first human being, didn't steward it well. So a lot of times when we see evil and things like that happen in the world, we say, man, why did God do this? God didn't do it. It's it's choice. Some things are choice. All right. Number four, Melissa asks, I think a really, really interesting question. And um, 
It's the million dollar question. What do I mean by that? It means if I had a million dollars for every time I got this question, I'll be one wealthy brother. So I'm going to give you the just the question Melissa asked. She says, I'm conflicted because I have a job that allows me to provide for my family, yet at the same time, it is not life-giving. It is draining. It isn't my passion. So how do you know when it's time to leave your job and pursue your passion? Okay, so Melissa, hear, hear my thoughts really quickly. Your job may not always be uh, your mission. Sometimes your job is your mission field. Now, I'm not saying this is the case for Melissa, but I do feel like people make a lot of money out of telling people that you're supposed to, that your purpose in your job always supposed to be the same thing. That's just not true. One, your purpose is way more than your job. That's a whole nother conversation there. People truncate it and they relegate it to that. And that's really dangerous. It is. It's really because it means what happens if you're jobless. But anyway, sometimes your purpose isn't your job. Sometimes your job is your mission. I mean, sometimes your job is your mission field. Your mission's at your job. Your mission is the people with the job. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul made tents for a season. So if you are, if a person is a parent, if you have a family, the scriptures are clear. Your first responsibility is to be generous to them and to, to care for them. And that means working. And um, until you are at a place where you feel like, if you feel like God is calling you to take a, take a drastic leap of faith and to leave, my, my thoughts are this. Unless you have a word, the answer is always use wisdom. And there are times where people feel like I got to leave my job to get fulfillment when really you can just pursue those passion projects when you have a job. And I'm telling you, it's a lot more easy to be creative when you don't have to worry about bills. The passion project really becomes passion when you don't have to have it. All right. And last but not least, TJ asks this question. How do you choose the proper partner? Bro, I don't have time. It depends, man. I'll put a resource together on this. I'm going to make it an e-course. I keep saying that. It's called... um. Uh, I'm going to call it, well, it's called Before You Do, After You Did. It's a series of teachings I did. I think it's on YouTube. Maybe search that. TJ may help you. Um, but anyway, here are a few things. One, um, there needs to be character. And then you get to determine what that looks like. I mean, some like honesty matters to me. I don't know if that matters to you. But character is important. All right. Um, compatibility is incredibly important. And then if you're a person of faith, like I am, if you're a Christian, then, um, then being Christian is important. So people say, well, you know, updated people, they aren't Christian. It was bad. It's just the same. Like, yeah, I understand. Um, but the truth of the matter is it's going to be incredibly difficult for you to um, be in a relationship with someone who does not share those values unless you're going to practice nominal Christianity. So those are three things I would think through if I were you, TJ. I'm not you. I hope I am never you again. It's real out there. I'm happily married and my God, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be out there. It's interesting out there now. <laughs> no shade, no shade. Well, everybody, listen, our time is up. I hope you enjoyed today's episode what an incredible time we had with the one and only Michelle Williams. I hope so many of you go into the mission field of arts and entertainment and make a difference. God is an artist. God is beauty. And um, 
He works through art. So, hey, do me a favor. If you like this podcast, please rank it, rate it. It helps us in a tremendous way. And make sure you help us spread the word. We want to reach as many people as possible. Thank you for listening to the Darius Daniels podcast. We'll see you next time. Relevant Podcast Network.